All right, tonight, this morning, we are moving into part four of our uh, Daniel series, or basically uh, understanding this culture war. Understanding culture war. Uh, up until now, we have kind of set the groundwork. I have, I have talked about over the last three weeks, we have talked about Daniel in the mindset of chapter 2 of how do you live in a culture, how, what is your character, what is your personality supposed to be. And we talked to how Daniel asked questions, and Daniel did not jump to conclusions. And even when Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm fixed to kill all of you, Daniel's like, hold on, let, let me get the information, give me a chance to pray, talk to God. Living in our culture, let me explain something to you. It's probably not good to just get out there and just post something or to just do something crazy off, not only will it get out there, but it's going to stay out there. We live in a culture to where they'll, it's twisted, it'll, it'll, they'll, they'll take it the way they want to take it, they'll do. Uh, it's very important to be able to walk through and be able to know what you want to say and say it correctly. Secondly, we learned that Daniel was able to do this and endure this because of who he was. He knew his identity. He knew his image. He knew who he was in God. And we know at chapter 1 that we establish this. He tells the eunuch, I can't eat these things. This is, not, this is not part of who I am. I can't do this. So there are certain areas of your life that you have to draw lines and you have to say, this is just not the way I'm going to, to be. Uh, I, I seriously doubt you're ever going to see Pastor Lot in a pair of spandex and, 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 and some, some modern style uh, skinny jean per se where, where I can't breathe. You know, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to be that cool. I'm sorry. I, I want to be able to sit down and, and, and everything else. So understanding in our culture, whether it's the way people talk, TV shows that people watch, uh, different things that come up, you've got to decide as a Christian in this culture that we live, there's certain lines that I'm going to draw. There's certain things I'm going to do, and I'm not crossing those lines. And yes, you're going to get criticized. Yes, it's going to be a challenge. But in our culture, like Daniel, if we'll just do the things we know to do, live the way, we're going to shine better than everyone else. That's what happened to Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When they ate the vegetables and they, and they, they didn't drink the wine, they didn't eat all the steak, and they didn't eat all the stuff from the king's table, and they said, no, we have a diet that we eat. It's, it don't seem important. Like, what's the difference between drinking a Coke and water? What's the difference between... But to them, it was very important. And, and I think we lose a lot of that in our society now. We just, oh, well, what's it going to hurt? What's it, it can hurt a lot of things. And so Daniel and those young men shone and was able to shine because they drew lines in their life and said, no, we're just not going to do that. We're, we're just not going to be at that party. No, we're just not going to go to that situation. No, we're not going to put ourselves. And you're going to have to do that in our culture because the culture is going to throw so much stuff at you. And then last week when we finally uh, got to the third part, we, we started to uh, realize in chapter uh, four and, 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 and going into how do we react when everything around us is so crazy. And we talked about King Nebuchadnezzar dying and his son taking over and, and, and the, the story of Nebuchadnezzar's dream and how Daniel walked through that and then immediately it goes into the craziness of Belshazzar and, and how God says, listen, you stay humble 
or I will humiliate you. And that's what we have to realize in our culture. If either you stay humble, live a humble life. I know, I know everybody is always wanting to be TikTok famous. Everybody wants to have their five minutes of fame. But it's more important to be humble and let God raise you up in due season than it is to do something, post something naked of yourself on the internet, do something crazy. It's amazing the stuff that people do now to get their five minutes of, of, of notoriety, their, their little bit of notice. And, and it's a lot of pressure on our young people and a lot of pressure to be noticed and not, not, not just fall in the crack and not be noticed. And so it's, it takes enormous amount of mindset. I'm just going to humble myself before God. And I realize in due time, if I do that, he will raise me up. Or I can build myself up and God will use humiliation in my life to embarrass me and to show me you're not God. So we've learned those three things. And uh, this morning, let's go to number four and... Number four is unique in itself because I want to kind of really describe culture war more now. I've, I've kind of used the background of Daniel, his character, and how he puts himself. But now let's look at the actual war that is taking place. Go with me in your Bibles to Colossians. Colossians 2, verses 8 through 10. Colossians 2, verses 8 through 10. This is what the Apostle Paul... so. Culture wars have been going on for a long, long time. The culture war has been, has been something that's in place even in the time of Christ, even in the time of, of, of Paul. And Paul talks about this to his people because he is going into different cultures. He's going into Athens. He's going into Asia Minor. He's going into these different places. And he is bringing a totally different culture to what they have, different these are people that have certain gods. These are people that worship certain things. And then here comes, here comes Paul, and he's saying, you all got it wrong, and we're going to show you how to do it right. That, that's a shift. And here's what Paul says to the Christians that have accepted this lifestyle. He says, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. He says, be careful that people don't talk you into something or try to convince you something by doing a lot of talking and philosophy and saying, oh, I figured it out. According to the tradition of men, in other words, it'll always be something that man has to do. Man has to, to, to do within themselves. And, and they try to make it sound easy, but it's not. It's just like working out. You know, they'll, you'll see a machine for a Peloton bike or whatever it might be. And it says, oh, it's no problem. Just three times a week. If you'll just get on this thing three times a week, you will have this kind of body. Is that true? No. No, it's not. You're not going to do it in, in three. The, it, the exercise program, the eating will have to change. Everything has to change so much. They don't tell you all of that. Why? Because in the philosophy of men, you don't, you want it to make it to sound like it's easy. Hey, if you just drink this, if you just do this, if you just, if you just hang out here, it's just like the beer commercials. If you notice there's never any ugly people that drink beer. Only good looking people sitting on the beach drink beer and they're passing one beer to another good looking person to another. 
I'm sorry, I grew up in Eupora, Mississippi. I grew up in, around Starville. I didn't see a whole lot of people that looked like that in that bars or hanging out at the, at the parties who were passed out in the yard. I, I didn't see a whole lot of those good-looking people walking around with their limes sticking out of their corona. Did y'all? No. But if the world tells us the truth, we won't buy the philosophy. So he says, listen, be careful that the world doesn't deceive you through its humanistic philosophy according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. That's what he says. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principalities and powers. He says, listen to me, and you are complete in him who is, who is the head of all principalities and powers. Here, here's one translation. I love the way it comes out. It says, beware that no one distracts you or intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness by pretending to be full of wisdom when they're filled with endless arguments of human logic. For they operate with humanistic and clouded judgments based on a mindset of the world system and not the anointed truths of the anointed one. For he is the complete fullness of deity living in human form. And our own completeness is now found in him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. He is the head of every kingdom and authority in the universe. I love that. That is, you almost want to just stand up and like clap for that. I mean, it's just like, it's like that's it. And that's what Paul is trying to, to teach. That's what Paul is trying to get them to understand is that there is a cultural battle and you're going to look different and act different. So how, how is, what is this understanding of culture? So when we talk about a culture war, what do we mean? Well, culture simply is a behavior shaped by words. That's what Paul is saying. Culture is simply a behavior that has been shaped by words. And when I continue in this, words from behaviors that shape a culture. So all of a sudden, let me just say it this way. If I want to keep something going that I know doesn't work, what do I need to do? If I want to keep something going that I know doesn't work, what do I need to do? Well, it's simple. I just need to keep telling you it works. And, and criticize anyone that says it doesn't. Belittle anyone that says it doesn't. Call them homophobic. Call them ignorant. Call them fascist. Call them whatever you want. Just, just anything. We're telling you the truth. Yeah, but it's not working. Don't worry about that. Just listen to us. The system's working. If we can, if we can, if we can do less spankings and do less this and we can treat people better and do this, we, our jails will be empty. 
Yeah, but our jails are twice as full and it's twice as... Oh, no, 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 listen to that. Just listen to me. you got to keep listening to me. If we do it this way, it will work. But it's not work. You're not listening to me. And that becomes the debate that you watch on your news channels, you watch on anything. That's why two people can't stand in a room now and have a debate. Why? Because one has already decided this is the system we're going to use. And when you bring up that the system doesn't work, then that's when it goes off the rails. So when somebody says, how did we end up with this culture? How do we end up with this culture? We ended up with it because people kept speaking words that it's good. And they keep telling you that it's good. They keep telling you it's okay. I love how the mayor of Chicago just the other day is standing up on the podium. And he's telling about how, how it's okay. While the video is showing hundreds of kids burning cars running around at night. But the guy's up there telling you the work. Y'all listen to me. It's okay. It's not really that bad. Really? Three people got killed. Yeah, but that's, that's, that's so much minor compared to how many could have got killed. See, to create a culture, I need you to keep listening to my words. And eventually line yourself up with my words. So the culture of our families as a Christian should be Christ-like. Now, when you think of your family, I want you to ask, answer me, is this what you think of? In our culture, in our world today, that if you said, tell me about your family, well, our family is Christ-like. You say, you can't say that. Sure I can. Joshua said, ask for me and my house. He, he just went ahead and told you, said, I don't know what your culture is going to be, but I'm going to tell you what mine is going to be God-like. But what if they decide not to? Well, it's going to be really rough in that house for a while. Huh? They'll finally figure it out that in this house, as long as they like eating where they're eating and sleeping where they're sleeping and, and drinking free Kool-Aid on, at every meal, you know what? This is the culture that it's going to be. It's going to be Christ-like. What else? We're going to be blessed. I mean, I, I grew up what you would call worldly poor. I didn't know it. Had no idea. My mom and dad taught every day. We are so blessed. We are. We are blessed. Man, there's so many people wish they had a family like ours. They, they got all this chaos. They got, and they would show us kids that were doing this and families that were broken here. And they'd say, we got it. We may be eating potted meat and tomato sandwiches, but you know what? We got it. We got a great life. We were blessed. I grew up believing every day of my life. We were blessed. Driving around in a Ford baby blue Pinto. All six of us piled in there, but we were blessed. Don't tell me we ain't blessed. We blessed. We got it good. We were honoring. Yes, sir. No, sir. We honored people. Our family is going to be fruitful. Our family is going to be something that's going to move forward. It's going to produce good fruit. It's going to be unified. We're going to have unity in our family. There's going to be longevity in our family. It ain't going to be no hit and misses and, and so-and-so has done good for a little bit and fell off the rails. and done. No, it's going to be longevity. 30, 40-year marriages. Think of my mom and dad who were married for over 50 years. And now every one of their kids, we're all 30, 
25, 30 year marriages. No, none divorced. You say, bro, that can't be. No, that's just the words you've heard created the culture that you believe. See, the words I heard were the culture that said, you're going to make it. When, when I went to a jewelry store and bought my wife's ring for, to get married, he, the first thing the jeweler told me, he said, don't give her to her on a Christmas, don't give it to her on a holiday, because then it'll be a gift and you can't get it back. That's what the jeweler that sold me the ring I had a lady come in the grocery store. There's certain things I remember in my life. And the devil will bring it up and God will bring it up. I remember a lady coming in the grocery store and I was engaged and we were fixing to get married and, and we were talking about it. And, and I was telling her, I said, boy, I can't wait for our life. And man, we're going to live together for as long as we live. And, and man, I hope we make it 50 years. I hope it. And she said, well, you don't know. You know, you may not make it and y'all may end up divorced. And I said, look, you shut up. She just looked at me, big old eye, said, you can shut up. I said, let me tell you something, there will be none of that. I said, that ain't even part of it. I said, I'm making a covenant that I'll die before. I said, I don't know what kind of covenant you made, but here's what it is. I told my wife the time we got married, look, if I got to sleep outside in a tent, wherever you are, that's where it's going to be because I, I, done, I done signed up for this deal. There is no plan B. Now, I know I'm not telling y'all anything. This is y'all's culture too, right? It's the way y'all think. Or is it not your culture? Have you taken on a different culture? See, we have to be careful because even in our family, are we going to be generous? Are we going to be healthy? Are we going to be healthy? I know it sounds crazy, but there's times where we just, look, we're fixing it. Take a lot of this junk out of this house. We threw it in these tater chips. We're, eating, we're getting unhealthy. You say, you can do that? Yeah, that was part of my deal. Part of the deal. We're going to be healthy. If you're not healthy, then check your cabinets. What's the culture of your house? If it's tater chips and popcorn and ice cream and bonbons and whatever else, then... I don't know why I can't lose weight. I'll tell you why you can't lose weight. It don't mean you got to be skinny. I ain't ever going to be skinny. But I can be healthy. At 55, I can still run a 15K and do 30 obstacles. And people look like, man, that's, that's incredible. That's, no. If I don't smoke, drink, dip, chew, take care of my health, I mean, I'm probably not going to live to be 900 like Adam. But God said I can have a long life. I can be healthy. That's my culture. See, I, I, I know it sounds crazy like, like this ain't preaching. This is preaching. This is what Paul is saying. Don't let the culture of the world give you a false culture and speak it into your life. And you start living a way that you just say, well, that's just the way it is. Don't let it happen in your family. Don't let it happen in your life. Don't let it happen in your spirituality. And the book of Daniel gives us this. This is what he teaches. From the way he eats, chapter 1, to the way he treats the king, chapter 2, to the way he stands, the way he does things, the way he, his character, yes sir, no sir, even though I'm a, I'm a servant, even though I've been brought here by bondage, I'm still going to treat you with respect. I'm going to be the best servant you got. 
Everything that he does is his culture. For instance, no one is born poor. Look at the person beside you and say, no one is born poor. You either have a poverty mentality or not. That's all. No one is born rich. No one's born rich. You have either have an abundance mentality or not. So if you ask me, am I poor? Yeah. Are you rich? Yeah. What do you mean, yeah? Because whatever state I'm in, I'm complete where I'm at. I'm not poor. I'm not rich. I'm right where God wants me. I'm not sickly. I'm not dumb. Go ahead and keep speaking words over your life and it will create the culture of your life. You keep speaking those words and that becomes who you are and everybody sees that's who you are. So when somebody comes up to you, man, you're dumb. It won't be because of, it won't be because of what they said. It'll be because you said it to them 10 different times, 18 different ways. Just like me to mess up. For long, I agree with you. Just like you to mess up. And then you look surprised like, I can't believe you said that to me. You've been saying it to me for the last 15 years about yourself. You created the culture. I'm just not pretty. Okay, if you're ugly, you're ugly then. I know I'm good looking. I don't even need your opinion. I'm drop dead good looking. It's just a culture. Culture is just simply whatever you think. I'm dumb. I'm, I can't do it. I can't do this. I can't. To the world, it's going to seem arrogant at times because you're going to say things about yourself that the world's going to say, no, you're not. Paul said, I need to be judged of no man. No man. Paul had people calling him crazy. Had people calling him like, like he was going to go to Jerusalem. He says, Paul, you don't need to go to Jerusalem. Man, that's crazy to be going to Jerusalem. You, you, I mean, you got to have better sense. Than, even the person he's witnessing to, Paul, you've lost your mind. You, 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 you've been out in the sun too long. Paul, oh, I wish it was, he would say. He didn't say, well, maybe you're right. Maybe I have been. No, he just looks there and says, I wish that was the cause, but you know what? Jesus got a hold of me. That's my problem. Go with me in your Bibles to Philippians 4. We'll look at it again. Philippians 4. Beginning at verse 4. We'll go through verse 9. So understanding there's a fight for your family, there's a fight for your life, there's a fight. Romans 12 and 2 says, do not copy the behavior and customs of the world. Or as we know it in our trans, do not be conformed. Do not be conformed to this world. Romans 2 and 2, or 12 and 2, and you don't have to go there, they're, they're pulling up this, but I'm just reading this. Don't, don't copy the behavior and the custom, but let God transform you into a new person by the changing of your thinking, your mind, tra being transformed by the renewing of your what? Do you understand what I'm saying? What I'm saying creates the culture. 
I'm not transformed by God putting me in a better place. That, that's, that's what happens when, when, just like we've got this recovery group coming tonight, the worst thing you can do is think that the culture will transform the mind. It has to work the other way. If I take someone who is a drug addict or an alcoholic and I put them in that, in that recovery, 90 days, 120, whatever. All right, I've got them in that place. Then they're good. Man, they dry out. Everything's good. They're back on their feet. They're talking good again. Everything. Are they going to be okay? No, there ain't a chance they're going to be okay. There's not a chance they're going to be okay. Because what has not changed? Their mind. Therefore, when they go back into the world, what do they know to do? What they did before, because that's their culture. But while I'm in there, what do they do in those places? Man, we're going to do Bible studies every day. We're going to do prayer. We're going to get you in this. We're going to get you to working. We're going. What are they trying to change in that person in that 90 days? They're trying to change the culture of the way they think and the culture of the way they do think so that when they get out, their culture is, I need to go get a job. Their culture is, hey, I need to read my Bible every day. The culture is, I need to pray. I need to go find a church. And if I can change the culture, I can change your life. But I can't change the culture without changing your mind that's a lot of good preaching that you just may not can understand it but it's good so go with me to Philippians 4 then 4 through 9 here's how Paul says it again rejoice in the Lord always again I say so write this down number one never quit worshiping never quit praising him Never quit lifting him up. That is your culture. That is your culture. Do not quit. But what if things go bad? Praise him anyway. Glorify him anyway. Here's what it says. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, there goes the rejoicing again, let your requests be made known to God. Number two, don't quit praying. Don't ever quit praying. Don't ever quit chasing after God. Don't ever quit seeking Him out. Don't, don't ever quit. If I got a problem, go find God. I don't know what to do. Go find God. Yeah, when I have a hard time, it don't matter. Lock yourself in a, in a closet. Do whatever you got to do. You can't go nowhere until you find God because you ain't got an answer. You ain't got a solution. Because when you do this and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding then, will guard your, and your, which is your culture. So when I praise when I go to God for the answers, when I'm speaking and living out what He's told me to do, the peace of God will overflow my life. The peace of God then will overflow and it will surpass all the understanding even of those around. It will guard my heart and my mind through Jesus Christ. 
Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Number three, don't accept junk. Don't accept junk. No matter what it sounds like or how good it seems, don't accept junk. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these things do, and the God of peace will be with you. Then I will have the presence of God in every situation. If I do what he's told me to do and I don't accept the junk, then he will be with me in every situation. This is, this is the philosophy. Let me see if I can give it to you how Paul is saying it. Number one, your thoughts. Think about good things. Everything begins with your thoughts. If you're sitting here right now, all you can think is, be glad when this is over, then there's no reason why you are in such a bad situation, why you don't have anything, why you are messed up from the floor up, because it's your thoughts that keep messing your world up. It's not your life that keeps messing your world up. You keep thinking, well, that's what I'm doing. It's what... No, it's your dumb thinking. Your dumb thinking keeps you doing dumb things. You want to do, quit doing dumb things? Quit dumb thinking. Paul says, get in, control your thoughts, which leads to number two, then it creates action. He says, put it into practice. Number three, you will gain the experience and the God of peace will be with you. You will gain experience in this. Why is this so important, but a lot? Okay, so go with me. And we won't, because I ain't got the time. Daniel 3 and Daniel 6 is where we're at. These two stories you know really well, right? Now I'm going to show you what I've just taught you, and I want to show you now in the story of Daniel, the Old Testament, because everything in the Old Testament is a picture of the New Testament. So everything I've done right now is just taught you. Hopefully you've wrote this down, and now I'm fixing to show you how it works. Daniel, in chapter 6, Darius has raised him up, made him basically one of the three presidents. He is, he is, he's been raised up because of his character, because of the things we talked about. He's been raised up. He's a man of honor. He's a man of character. He, he's, he's got wisdom. He's got all this. God keeps blessing him because why? He doesn't allow his mind to go into anything, even though what he eats. I know we call it a Daniel fast, but I want you to know Daniel's still eating vegetables and drinking good stuff. It wasn't like a 19-day fast for Daniel. This is his lifestyle. He, he eats healthy. He lives healthy. He, he's honored. He has a glow about him. He takes care of himself. And in all of this, Darius sees him and says, I'm going to make... In fact, Darius would made him the chief president over the other two presidents because of all the honor. 
The Chaldeans who are part of this can't stand Daniel. Look at the person beside you and say, there's a culture war. The Chaldeans who have all these other gods and all these other things, and Daniel walks around and says, I got one God. And my one God keeps embarrassing all your other gods. Because remember, he's the only one that can give the king any answers. He's the only one that can, can interpret dreams. He's the only one. So he, he's constantly making a mockery of their, all their gods. And, and that's what we do. We shine. We, we constantly do. My lifestyle makes a mockery of, of, of all the Kardashians and everything else when they're all messed up. But they got money. Yeah, but they messed up. They're no richer than I am. I'm just as rich as they are, and I got a good life. And my kids ain't messed up. And that's Daniel. Daniel's living in a culture, and he's saying, here I am. This is the way it works. Healthy, wealthy, and wise. And they can't stand it. So they come up with a plan to stop Daniel. And the plan is, is that we're going to get Darius to sign a paper that says for just a certain time, you can't pray to nobody but Darius. Because Darius is the king and a king's like a god. And for just a certain time to make sure everybody's on board about this kingdom and Darius, you know, everybody's behind you, it'd be good to get everybody to pray to you for a while. And Darius thinks and says, that sounds good. And they manipulate and trick Darius into signing the decree. And the Medes and the Persians, once they sign a decree, it cannot be changed. They were people of their word. If they signed a decree, you couldn't go back on it. So Daniel, here's the decree. You cannot pray to anybody but Darius. And Daniel goes home. He opens up the windows. People are standing down below. They can see him. And he prays. Like he always does. They run to Darius and tell Darius, hey, we caught somebody praying to another God. And Darius is like, well, whoever it is, we got to deal with it. It's Daniel. And it breaks Darius' heart because he knows Daniel is like the most loyal person he's got. And we know the story that Darius takes Daniel and the decree is they'll be thrown in a lion's den. And that's what happens. Daniel is lowered into a lion's den and has to spend one night in a lion's den. What was number two I told you you cannot let go of? Prayer. In your culture war, prayer will be the thing that the enemy will attack. In our culture war, we started, and let me go ahead and give you the other one before we begin. Let's take chapter 3. There's another story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. King Nebuchadnezzar is in charge now, and King Nebuchadnezzar comes up with this brilliant idea that he's going to build an enormous statue. And in this enormous statue, here's what's going to happen. When everybody hears the music, when everybody hears everything going, you all are going to bow down at that moment and you're going to worship Nebuchadnezzar. 
And then when the music stops, you can all get up and go back doing what you're doing. But every time you hear the music, you got to stop what you're doing. you got to worship the king. And everything goes good. They play the music. Except three people do not. Three people do not. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego don't bow. They, don't, they ain't going to worship. Their decree by that king is, is that if you don't do this, I'm going to burn you alive. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is taken before King Nebuchadnezzar. And he says, look, guys, I know you're good boys. And I know we're going to give you one more chance. Y'all just a little ignorant. You know, y'all just a little too fanatical about your God. You know how the world does. We're going to give you a chance to get it right. Now, all we're asking is, is that you just, when, when we play this music again, you bow down and worship me and, and, and everything will be forgiven. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego look at the king and they said, oh, king, ain't no sense in cranking that music up. We are not slow to answer you on this. We will not bow to you. You're a great king, powerful king, love working for you. But whether God saves us or doesn't save us, let it be known to you, O king, we will not worship you. Of course, we know King Nebuchadnezzar gets really, really upset. He says, heat that thing up seven times hotter. Kills the men that actually throw them in. It's so hot when they open the furnace, the guys that's supposed to throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in, the heat of it comes off, it kills them. What was number one I gave you? Worship. You never give up your you never give up your worship and you never give up your prayer to nobody, to no thing. You never forget who the king is and who you belong to. And you never forget who has the answers to every problem and every situation that you have. Every time in your life when you choose this culture and you choose not to pray about a thing or worship God in a thing, or if it does not bring honor and glory and praise and it's not, and you decide to think about something else, then understand you and God are fixing to be on the crosshairs. So, you have to make a conscious effort to rejoice or to worship. Number two, you may have to make a conscious effort to bring all your cares in prayer. You can't ever cease at this. This is the culture war that we're in. That's why the culture war that many believe started in the early 1900s. We know that Paul talks about the culture war he's going through. But what we call culture war, many believe started in about 1920s, after World War I, after World War II in the 1940s. A totally different culture. We had people moving in from other nations. We have a lot of socialist people. We had a lot of different countries that flooded into America with a lot of different theologies, with a lot of different cultures. And America became for the first time something that was used. It became a melting pot of people from all over coming to America and we talk about them coming to the Statue of Liberty and how people were bringing their cultures and they were bringing their... And we thought that that was a wonderful thing. 
except until that time, the culture of America was Bible-based. The culture of America was written and founded. The Ten Commandments were written in the, in the judicial halls of the Supreme Court. The, everything about us, in God we trust, was on our coins. Everything about us was built around Judeo-Christian beliefs. People learned to read by Bibles. There was no such thing as separation of church and state. They knew that the two ran together. Do you know that the very church house that every city built first as their community, their community, the first thing was built was a church. It was also the town hall. It was also the courtroom. It was also the classroom where the kids went to school. It was one and all together. If you were at home, the Bible was what you learned to read on. This was our culture. By the 1960s, the original what we call the culture war that had been underlying for these last 40 years finally exploded. It's when they decided to remove prayer from school. When the world understood something that the church didn't. They understood if they had your kids and they had them for eight hours a day, they could teach them more than math and science and literature. They could teach them culture. And now different classes came in, not just reading and writing, but socialism and history and however history books wanted to write it. from that moment on, haven't we come a long way to handing condoms out to kids at school to, to now we don't even tell parents if they feel like they're a wrong gender. We just help transgender them in classes and don't even tell the parent about it. Why? Because this is where we teach culture. By the time you get to college, you are ostracized if you have any other culture other than the one you're fixing to live in. From the science teachers to the math teachers to all of those college. When you turn on the news sometimes and you see some of the quotes from some of the college professors that are on different news, you're thinking, this idiot actually has a degree in something? How did anybody give this idiot a degree in anything? But they're popular because they match the culture. And in this culture war, we are in the middle of it. And the culture war is now between two main sides. It is what we call the far left and the far right. And let me be very clear. There are idiots on the far, far on both sides. This is not, I'm not trying to say it's all bad. There, there are idiots on both sides. There, there are People want to blow up an abortion clinic. There's, 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 there's idiots on both sides. There's idiots on the far left. that, And usually on the news, that's the ones they're going to put on the programs. Just so that it, it makes the others. But most of us in this room, let's be honest, most of us in this room are in the middle of that. We're just trying to raise families. We're just trying to have healthy homes. We're just trying to, just trying to live if we're Christians, a godly life. 
If we're not Christians and we're just trying to live a life that we can do what we want to do and make our money and do and just... But in the middle of all of that is this fringe of culture war. And so now the name calling and... And every one of you in this room is living in it. Just like Paul was. Just like Daniel was. And it is a battle for your mind because from your mind comes your words and from your words comes your culture. So let's see what you do. You never give up your prayer. You never give up your praise and your worship. Number three, you must, you must reject stinking thinking. Look at that person beside you and say, you're going to have to reject stinking thinking. You're going to have to. Because when people say, well, you know, people get divorced. Who said? If you never use that word, then... Imagine if you never use the word divorce, then what's the worst that could happen to you? We'll have to figure it out. But if you're always talking, well, maybe we just weren't meant to be together. Maybe it just maybe divorce would be better for the kids and everything. Maybe, maybe divorce would be... Keep talking it. And it'll become your stinking thinking. And it'll eventually become your actions. You're going to have to reject it. Let's go back to Philippians 4 and 8 and listen to what he says. Philippians 4 and 8 one more time. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue... And if there be anything praiseworthy, meditate on. Listen, I know this is hard because in your mind there's a culture that's wanting to set up and, and, and as a way of thinking that seems good. And God says, listen, if it's not good, you're going to have to push it out. Let me show it to you from here. Go to 2 Corinthians 10 and 5. 2 Corinthians 10 and 5. As they pull this up. You're going to have to reject anything that doesn't fit what you know is truth. Casting down arguments. What did I tell you? That the world does what? Comes with worldly philosophy and arguments. What we want to do is we want to win the argument. Let me just go ahead and help you out. You're not going to win an argument with a worldly person. Quit arguing. All you do is when somebody brings up something and it's wrong, you just have to go, that's dumb. And you walk away. Well, I don't see nothing wrong with this. That's ignorant. And let them talk at you back when you're walking away. Because here's what's going to happen. They're going to hate you. 
When you tell them, that's ignorant. That's just pure ignorance. And walk away. What are you walking away for? I ain't going to sit here and argue with dumb. I don't see nothing wrong with that. Do what you want to do. I'm just telling you it's dumb. Just telling you that's the craziest thing I ever heard. Since the last thing you said. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalted itself against the... Because whose fight are they? Who are they fighting? They're not fighting you. They're fighting God. Why, why does Nebuchadnezzar want Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to praise him because he wants to be God? Why does Darius tell everybody to pray to him because he sees himself as why does people say, I can do what I want to do, and, and, and there is no God? Because they want to be God. And you can't fight that. God has to fight that. What does Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do? King, just save your breath. We ain't bowing. What does Daniel do? You can throw me in the lines then. I'm praying. Daniel, if you just quit, I'm not quit praying. Do whatever you got to do. But I'm just telling you, I'm not sitting here arguing with you. We're not going to have long debates about this. This is just the way it is. Casting down every argument, everything, exalted itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every what? Every thought into captivity. To the obedience of, which is what Paul says, everything that's good, everything that's praiseworthy, think on these things. Everything that's not, mm -mm, we are not going there. Well, this is, this is hard. Yes, it is. It's a war. It's a war. And I hate to tell you that the Christian community is not winning. We dress like, watch the same Netflix shows. We sing the same music. We do all the same stuff, and then we try to tell people, but we know Jesus. Your culture does not show it. Number four. You must then learn to walk by faith and not by... Learn to walk by faith and not by sight. What do you mean by the light? Well, go with me to Philippians 4 and 13. Philippians 4 and 13. Go a little further. Here's what it says. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's a mindset that there's nothing impossible. Nothing too hard. But it comes because of what you just read before, verses 4 through 9, that I'm meditating on good things, I'm doing... A, see, what we want to do is we want to jump right straight to verse 13 and say, I can do all things through Christ. No, you can't because you can't control your thinking. And since you can't control your thinking, your culture's not right. And since your culture's not right, God can't do anything for you. Because you'll bail out, whine out, cry out, give up, 
way before you get to a fire, way before they start lowering you by a rope in a lion's den, you ain't even going to make it that far because your culture won't allow it. So what happens to Daniel? Daniel's lowered in the lion's den. He has the right culture. He has the right mindset. And guess what? He spends the night with lions. Darius the king tells him before he lowers him in, he says, your God's going to save you. Whatever you say, Darius. I don't know if he will or won't. Don't really care. I'm just telling you, I'm not praying to nobody but him. I'm not responsible for the other. God's responsible to be with me. God's, he said, if I do what I'm supposed to, then he will be with me. That's what Paul says. Then the peace of God will be with you. The presence of God won't leave you. So they lower Daniel in. Darius comes the next morning. He looks over and he says, Daniel, are you alive? And I love what he says. Long live you, O King Darius, for my God has sent an angel and shut the mouth. I'm fine. What happens to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Yes, they open the doors to the furnace. Yes, the guards are killed. And this is the cool thing to me, because if I'm fixed to throw somebody in a furnace and we're getting real close, and I die, then I'm tied up. What do you think I would do? Wouldn't you? You ever see that part of the story that when they're throwing them into the, into the furnace, that it getting so close to it killed the guards? That means there was no guards still protect or keeping Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire. They could have easily said, I'm glad we ain't got to do this. But the Bible says that King Nebuchadnezzar looks in the fire and he calls his trusted assistant. He says, how many people did we throw in that fire? We threw three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He said, then how come I see four men and they're not bound, but they're walking around? What did they not quit? Their worship. They wouldn't quit their praise. He said, I see four men in there, and the fourth one looks like the Son of God. Because when I do what I'm supposed to do, the peace of God brings the presence of God. That's what we call miracles. Miracles don't just happen. Miracles happen because it's my culture. I'm expecting to be healed. I'm expecting to be delivered. It's my culture. I expect to overcome. I expect to break it. I expect to not be addicted. I expect to live free. I expect to over. I expect it. So therefore, when a trial comes, I continue my praise and I continue my worship and I continue my prayer. And as I'm continuing those things, then you do as a culture, as a world, you do whatever you want to. If they say, Tim Mott, you can't pray anymore. You can't preach anymore. I'm going to keep doing it. We're going to put you in jail. Then guess what? There's going to be a lot of people in jail that's going to get preached to. Ask Paul and, and Silas what happens when you put them in jail. All of a sudden, earthquakes will take place and miracles take place. you got to realize it's my culture that I'm protecting. It's my culture that come from my words that make me who I am. Will you stand?
Philippians 4 and 9. I cannot quit my praise. I cannot quit my prayer. I cannot deal with, entertain stinking thinking. I must learn at times to walk by faith and not by sight. I have to depend on that God will do what He says He will do. Number five, you've got to keep doing it. Look at the person beside you and say, you've got to keep doing it. I didn't say it's going to be easy. We've got parents fighting school boards. And let me just say this. Brother do you believe in, in fighting culture wars and everything? Yes, I do. It has never been my calling. It's not my calling. If it was, I'd be standing in front of places picketing and doing. My calling is, is to pastor and to, and to raise up saints and to teach you right from wrong. But there are people that God lays that on heart. They go outside abortion clinics and they stand and they, they try to tell some young lady, don't do this. There are people that stand outside Supreme Courts and there's people that do... Yeah, but that's not biblical. Yes, it is. The Apostle Paul said, everything that's, that's lawful, everything we're supposed to do, we're to honor those in authority. Policemen, firemen, people, government officials. I pray for my president every day. I pray for him every day. Doesn't mean we're supposed to shoot anybody or hurt anybody. That's not what we're called to do. But in our worship and in our prayer, our living our lives, we're called to be an example. And, I, and I, I lift up those that feel called to a culture war. Kirk Cameron right now, who was an actor years ago, and now he's wrote children's books. Why? Because he saw people writing children's books that were transgender and everything else and going in these libraries and doing readings. So he wrote some godly, more healthy books and he's going to every library he can. And he's doing, I, I, I appreciate those that are willing to get in there and fight the culture war. Jesus fought a culture war. You see, Jesus never did that. Yes, he did. Every time he talked to a Pharisee, a Sadducee, there was a culture. Remember, they couldn't do miracles on the Sabbath. They couldn't, all this was part of their culture. And he fought again. In fact, what got Jesus killed was being the most countercultural person. He, he told him, he said, I'm greater than Abraham. That gets you killed. Just standing up and being who you were called to be. And I applaud those who fight for our culture that way. But I also applaud those who are in pulpits this morning, who are trying to get their people to, to live by God's word and not by just what the world says. I applaud all of you. I applaud you as parents that are standing up to school boards or checking what your kids are reading. And I applaud it. Because just like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, just like Paul, just like us, we're in a culture war. And verse 9 says, what we're supposed to do is keep doing it. Here's what it says. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, 
These do it. The greatest thing that hopefully Pastor Lot will ever be in your life. You probably won't remember many of my sermons. You probably won't remember all the scriptures. But if I'm a successful pastor, I will do this scripture. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me. You learn to do them. And then the peace of God will be. When you leave this building, and I can't be there, and God will rise up and say, Hey, let me remind you, remind you, hey, I'm here. The peace of God will be with you. My daughter is fixing to head off to college, and it scares me. This is the only culture she knows. She may not like it all the time. She may think she has a mean old dad who don't like her short sometimes and don't like... But I'm fighting for her. I'm fighting so that she has a different culture than the world she's going to go into. We'll be doing back lark next service. And it scares me. Because you know when most people fall away from God? After they graduate high school. Why? Because of the first time they are not in a protected world. And whether they go to work or whether they go to college, they step into a grown-up culture. And that's a big transition. And it's hard. I hope this morning I've laid a little more groundwork to what we're teaching. On understanding the culture war that you're in. And how to fight it. Will you bow your heads? Father, every person in this room is fighting this battle. I praise those who, in the right way, in a godly way, stand in the gap and fight against these culture wars, against the fringe crazies on the far, far other side. God, our our goal is what Paul said, for us to be as Christians, to live at peace. To just live our lives in peace. And that is my prayer, that in our country, those that don't want to live for God, so be it. But that God, they will allow our culture to exist. That they won't push and push until they want our culture destroyed. God, I pray for those that don't know you. Those that don't follow you. And I pray this morning for those that are playing with things in their mind and things in their actions that is creating a culture that's going to hurt them. I pray today for the families, for the husband, the wife. I pray for the young person. I pray for that one that's fixing to leave high school and fixing to step into college and work and they're going to have to face this culture. The first thing is you don't have to go to church anymore. You don't have to pray anymore. You don't have to... Father, I pray for them. 
And I pray your blessings on them in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Go give that old devil fits. <laughs>